Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. There's an old song that said, Isn't it still the blood that saves from sin? It ain't changed. Uh, I'm not sure why people think that we ought to change. The plan of salvation hadn't changed. God hadn't changed. His word hadn't changed. So uh, we better just stick with the truth. Now turn with us today to the uh, book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 13. We're going to read just a couple of verses today, beginning at verse number 17. Exodus chapter number 13, verse number 17. Um, desire your prayers as we uh, just have kind of not been able to get out of this particular part of Exodus. Uh, God began to share with us some more things and just want to be obedient to God today. Uh, he's still getting Egypt out of me. Uh, I, I, I was honest last Sunday in saying that it probably will take the rest of my life. And I believe that sanctification is an ongoing work that happens in all believers. If you're a child of God and, and, and you're connected right now, if you've disconnected, I, I, the only thing I can say to you is God have mercy on you, right? There's a, there's a penalty for being out of fellowship with God, and that's chastening. And uh, if you think for one minute that the chastening of God don't hurt, you just wait. You'll find out. But I'm glad for the child of God today that is, that is engaged, that there is a process that we're supposed to be going through called sanctification. And simply, he's just he's trying to get the Egypt out of me. And so I pray that God will continue to do that. Um, in Exodus chapter number 13, verse number 17, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would open it to our hearts today. Give us the unction of the Holy Spirit above everything, praying that it would find its mark in every hearer. And Lord, may we all be doers of the word as well. We're we're asking as we're desperate, believing, Lord, only in you, we trust your will be done. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That when, when Pharaoh had let the people of God go, and we know the story, and, and I preached on that some last week, how that Pharaoh let them go, but then he took off after them, right? And so God hardened his heart because God had a plan even for Pharaoh, right? God had a will for Pharaoh too, and there was some judgment that was going to occur But what the Bible said was, is Pharaoh having let the people of God go, the Bible said that God led. 
Now, it's important to understand that when, when you're talking about the people of God, that we're talking about somebody that leads his people. We're not talking about a God that drives them or pushes them. We're talking about somebody that goes before us that we follow. The Bible said, said that, that we are his sheep. He is the shepherd of our pasture. We are his sheep. He knows us and we know him. And the Bible said we won't follow a stranger. The people of God follow the shepherd. And here we find that God led the people of God out of Egypt. Now, what we also know is that God had made a promise to Abraham far before the children of Israel had come to the place that they would go down into Egypt for bread and that they would live there way too long. They would, they would take up residence in Goshen and there they would find themselves after a while enslaved by a new Pharaoh that didn't know who Joseph was nor care who Joseph's God was. You find that here they had long been in a place they shouldn't have been. The Bible tells us that they were enslaved and when Pharaoh finally let them go, I believe that their intent was to go to the land that God had promised to Abraham, the promised land, Canaan's land. And they knew where that was. They knew where it was. And yet what we find is that if you look on a map, you'll find Egypt right down there at the bottom of the Mediterranean. And if you look at the shortest route between Egypt and Canaan, it was only about a three to five days journey north. All they had to do was to go about three to five days northward and they would roll right into the bottom of Canaan. Not far from where Jerusalem would ultimately end up, not far from where Bethlehem would be known, uh, just below that about 60 or 80 miles. They, all they had to do was to go north, a very short distance, about three days, and five days, and they would be in Canaan's land. And yet what we hear is, is that God said, I'm not taking them that way. I'm not going to take them the shortest route between here and there. God chose, as the scripture said in verse number 18, to take them a much longer way. If you look on a map, you'll find that what they actually did was went eastward and they went into that wilderness area around the Red Sea and that's where God kept them for 40 years, we know the story to say. And you say, well, what application does this have for us? I want to suggest to you today of why the way is often long. Why our way is often the long way. It would be easy, we think in our minds, to simply go the shortest distance from point A to point B to get where we're going. That's the way we operate, most of us. We take the shortest route. Um, we all living in this part of the county, we all have different opinions on which way to go to town, right? There, there's about four or five different ways to go to town from my house, and every time I go a particular way, my wife says, why'd you go this way? <laughs> she evidently has got a shorter way. Now, there's a short way and there's a long way, but I'm not really trying to focus today necessarily on the length of the journey as I am the purpose of the journey. 
because God knew things that they didn't know. Do you know today that God's got you on a particular direction because he knows more about your life than you do? That God's able to see the future and you're not? that God knows what tomorrow's going to bring in your life, and so he has got you on a journey. You might be scratching your head. You may be wondering, what are you doing in my life? And why have you led me this way? Why am I in this position? And yet your heavenly Father is looking down on knowing all things that will happen. May I say that though his way may seem long to you, it's always the best way. God's way is always the best way. You ever find yourself complaining to God saying, well, if you'd have just done this and if you'd just done that, maybe if this would have happened in my life, it would have been a different. May I say to you today, you're serving a God that makes no mistakes. He won't start with you. He's never made a mistake and he won't start with you or me. The Bible said that He could have led them straight north out of Egypt right into Canaan's land. About five days and the deal's done. But you know what they'd have had to go through to get there? A little place called Philistine. There's a mean people in that place called Philistia. I saw it on the map yesterday as I was looking at that Philistia. There There was a rugged and vicious army of the Philistines that dwelled in that land. You know what God knew about that? He knew them people he was leading out of, them people he was leading out of Egypt were slaves. They were brick masons. They didn't have no warfare abilities. They didn't know how to fight a battle. They didn't have no weapons. And here, if God had led them straight north, he'd have put them right in the center of the, center of the, of the one of the greatest armies in that given day, the army of the Philistines. They would have had to go into there. And you know what God said? He said, lest they lose heart and run back to Egypt, I will not send them that way. May I say to you today that God knows your enemy's position. Do you know which way the enemy is going to expect you to go normally? The short way. You know what your God knows? He knows whether you can handle what's in the path that you have to travel and how I thank him today that he don't ask me. He just leads me in the way that I am supposed to go. And you know what I ought to do? Just thank God for it. Why do we often have to go the long way? I believe there's some things we can see here that will help us. But may I say this about the way is that there's always been two ways. Uh, The Bible said, I believe in the book of Matthew chapter number 7, Yeah, the Bible said, enter ye in at the straight gate. Remember that one? There's two ways. He said, there's a broad way and then there's the narrow way. There's a broad way and there's a narrow way. You know what? I found that the narrow way, though it's narrow and though it's straight and though often it's longer, I found, than the broad way, that it's the better way. It's the better way. There's a temptation in me. I tell you, it's probably just just who I am, but there's a temptation in me to take shortcuts, right? Because ultimately, my temperament is, is the goal. 
anything. If I know what the object is and I know, and I know where it is, I tend to look for the shortest route to get there because all I got to do is to get the object of what it is and, and that one's done. Mark it off the list. Amen. I have accomplished what I set out to do. And that is a tendency that human beings have. But may I say to you today that there are two ways. There's God's way and there's your way. And the Bible said in the book of Proverbs that there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. Oh, how many people have made wrong choices by simply going their own way. If them people had stood up against God and said, well, that's crazy, I'm not going down into that wilderness. It's only a five-day journey and we'll be where we need to be that all been destroyed. But God didn't lead them the short way. God led them the long way. So oftentimes it's the long way, friend, that God intends for you and I. I want to read from the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 2. The Bible said God would speak through the prophet Jeremiah and say this, Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? Now, what I'm reading to you about is where God led them. I want you to listen to this. This is what Jeremiah said God did, where he led them into in that wilderness. Listen to how he described it. Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? You say, good night. That was God's plan to lead them through a bunch of deserts and pits a place that was uninhabitable, a place where nobody was. May I say to you today, the best place for you to learn the will of God is when everybody else is absent from your life, when all of the other distractions have been dealt with. I don't know how many times that God has led me on a journey where I ended up just me and him and it was all his plan to begin with. We act as if somehow or another God don't have the right to send me one way or the other. But I want you to know when I died out to sin and he raised me in the newness of life, I lost all rights to my own will. And I'm following the one that I absolutely am convinced knows the way. And yet day after day I question God on why this way. (laughs) I mean, you all, you good saints, probably way better than I am, but I was on my knees today saying, or last week saying, God, why? Why ain't this happened? Why ain't that happened? Why ain't you doing this? Why ain't you doing that? And all of the time, I believe the Holy Spirit was trying to get me to see, if you'll just hang on, I'll do it when it's right, and I'll do it when it'll stick, and I'll make it happen according to my will. You've got to trust God, brother, if you're going to make it on this journey. Because there's sometimes he's leading us right to the deserts and the pits and, and the barren places and those places that it doesn't look like there's any water. There wasn't any food. Amen. They got down there and found out all that was true. God had to provide for them miraculously every day. God had to give them water out of rocks just so they wouldn't thirst to death. You say, well, God wasn't thinking that one through. No, that was his plan to begin with. 
That was his plan to get, we talked about that last week, amen? That's how he got Egypt out of them. That's how he was going to work out the problem that was already in them. I want you to know that sometimes the way is long for you and I. Number one, because God has to deal with the enemies in our lives. Do you know you have enemies? I've got enemies. Well, I heard a man preach on it this week that set me on fire. I won't get into it too far, but we talked about it in Sunday school. And bless God, it, it helped me. You know the scripture in John 10 where he says, uh, my sheep know my voice and I'm known of mine. Did you know when I got saved that the Lord Jesus, he knows who I am. Amen. And I know who he is. But let me tell you another one. The preacher brought this out, tickled me to death. I'm telling you right. He got, went into the book of Acts and reminded us of the sons of Sceva. What they decided they were going to do was to cast out the demons in this old boy. And the Bible said when they started trying to cast out the demons, the demons said, uh-uh. They said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? Did you know that when I got saved, the devil got introduced to me? Do you know when I got saved, he come to know my name. I want you to know that when it comes to the devil, you can ask him. I believe he'd say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Tommy, I know. Justin, I know. Roger, I know. And brother, if you're lost, he's going to say, but who are you? I want you to know I've got an adversary, and he despises me, and he has been on my trail from the day I got born again. The devil has been after me, but I want you to know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world the devil can't get to me. And if he does get to me, brother, that's because God allowed it. Bless God, there ain't anything the enemy can do, but he's got to deal with enemies, don't he? You've got enemies, and the Lord's got to deal with the enemies. Now, you've already read with me why he didn't send them north. Because there was a vicious enemy just about a day and a half, three days journey. They'd been right in the middle of the land of the Philistines and they'd have been murdered. They'd have been, they'd have been, all been destroyed. God dealt with that enemy just by making sure you never went that way. How many times has God led you another way and you slept well that night having no idea what you had missed? You had no idea who he had saved you from. You say, I don't believe that preacher. Let me tell you what I think happens. I think every Sunday morning, the devil starts ringing some kind of them hell's bells. Well, it tickled me that preacher come up with that in the message. He said, he used to listen to ACDC. He said, hell's bells. I used to listen to it all the time, he said. I'd never heard it. Bless my heart, though. He said, now I know what's going on. He said, now that I'm a child of the king and he knows who I am. He said, I believe every Sunday morning when I start getting ready to go feed my little flock, he starts ringing hell's bells and said, let's do something to stop that boy. Let's put something in his way. Let's distract him. Let's tempt him. Let's work in his life. Let's move in a way, amen, that we can avoid, amen, somebody else getting saved. I'm glad to report to you that I serve one greater than the devil will ever be. In my oblivious stupidity, I wander through the day sometimes grinning. Yeah. 
aware that I've got adversaries in every corner, hiding behind every tree. I believe he's looking for me. He's trying to find anything he can put in my life to tear up me, to tear up this church. But oh, bless God, I'm not following the devil. I'm following the Lord. And though there's parts of this journey that have seemed a bit long, I want you to know that part of it is so he can deal with my enemies. Not only did he not lead them north, but he led them eastward and up toward the Red Sea. You know why he did that? Because he didn't like Pharaoh. You know what he did to Pharaoh? The Bible, now you hear me now. I'm talking about a sovereign and almighty God can do anything he wants to do and when he wants. You know what he did to Pharaoh after Pharaoh said, Lord, God, get him out of here. They just take everything. Get out of this land. We can't stand it no more. Just as soon as they got out there and got almost to the Red Sea, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he hardened the hearts of all of his soldiers. And they all said, why did we let them go? And they all got their chariots and their swords and their spears and their horses and they set out after the children of Israel. And you say, Lord God, you say just what the Israel said. They said, you've led us out here to get killed. Seeing Pharaoh and his army coming up. But did you know that that was God's plan? The only way he could drown Pharaoh and all of his army was to get him to the sea. Do you know that was his plan all along? Here they were wringing their hands. Oh, what are we going to do? Moses said, stand still. He said, hush your mouth. Hold your peace. He said, God's fixing to do something. You're fixing to see the salvation of the Lord. Just to make sure that old Pharaoh's men didn't get off any kind of any kind of ballistic, the Bible said he just moved that cloud, put it behind them. Right? Remember that when they was following? Well, when they got to the Red Sea, they know they couldn't cross it. Wasn't no need for the cloud no more. They stood there looking across it. God put the cloud behind them, and you know what Pharaoh couldn't do then? He said, "Where'd they go? I can't see them no more." I can't get to them. And the Bible said that God parted the waters of that Red Sea and they walked across it on dry ground all the way across it. They came out on the other side and there they gathered about a million and a half refugees strong looking back across dry ground with walls of water on both sides and God said, hang on. I brought you this way so I could deal with them too. And the Bible said he moved that cloud. And old Pharaoh took off after him. Right down in they went. Right across the Red Sea. And God said, far enough. And they stood there and the Bible says it so clearly. And it says, and they saw them no more. You can keep on whining about this long way you're on. But I'll guarantee you he's dealing with your enemies in it. 
He's taking care of stuff you don't know how to take care of. If you had even one thought on how to take care of your enemy, you wouldn't know where to do it. You wouldn't know how to do it. You wouldn't know when to do it. And yet God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead these people this big long way around. And he said, then I'm going to make their enemy follow them. Sometimes your way has to be long so that God can deal with your enemies. That's comforting to me. That's comforting to me that God cares about the journey and he not only cares about me, but he cares about those that are against me and he takes care of me. See, most of the time, I don't even know what he's protecting me from. I just don't want to be like they are and sitting on the side whining about why it's so long. Why am I suddenly feeling one hunger pain? As if that was relevant. They had an army of, of murderers right behind them. And we whine about the distance of the journey. The journey is long, you see, for our benefit. The journey is often long so that God can deal with the enemies that are in our lives, but not only the enemies that are in our lives, but there was issues that were in their own hearts, right? I'm not going to preach that all over again, but last Sunday morning we, we preached about, you know, God got them out of Egypt, but then he had to get Egypt out of them, Right, he had to do, he had to get Egypt out of them. May I say to you today that part of the reason that our journey is long is that there are things that God must do in our lives to bring us to that point of humble submission to his will. And they wouldn't have got that on a three day journey. You can't get submission to the will of God oftentimes in anything less than a wilderness experience. You know why? Because we're hard-hearted and we're stiff-necked and stubborn. And if, if God didn't lead us on this big long journey, he'd never get us to the place to where he can use us. I want to remind you ultimately what the goal was. Hang on, I'm about to preach it all in one minute. If, if, if you've got something in you that is opposite of humility and willingness, then God has to deal with that. God has to deal with that. And so what he did was he took them down into this wilderness where, you know what, the first thing they'd experience is hunger. There wasn't any food out there. God said, I'm going to feed you. Then they were thirsty, right? They was about to thirst to death. God said, hit that rock, water comes rushing out. God said, I'm going to give you a drink. You know what God was trying to do? He was trying to get them to recognize that only in him would they find their sustenance. Only in him would they find their peace. Only in him would they find what they needed if they would just trust God. Did you know that God faithfully gave them manna every morning? Even when they were whining about it even when they were complaining about the length of the journey, see what God was trying to do the whole time, Adam, was to get Egypt out of them, and he could not have done that on one of them little short journeys. Had to be long. Had to be long. 
So God was trying to get from them those things that shouldn't be in them. So he had to take them through a wilderness to do it. Now, if they had just believed God, it wouldn't have taken that long. But you know what they did? Instead of believing God and all of his evidence and what he did to protect and provide for them, they refused to believe and trust in God. And you know what happened? It extended the length of the journey. Did you know, I believe that some of you are on a longer journey today because there was a point when you could have landed, but you wasn't ready. You had maintained your own will. And God said, nope, can't give you Canaan yet. If it's about Randy, you ain't going in. Not to my promise. If it's about you, you're not going in. Not till I'm done. I'm not done with you if it's about you, right? If it's about your will, oftentimes there are intersections in our lives when God says, this might be a good place for Steve to exit off this big long journey I'm on. And when you hear it and you're, you're faced with the decision in a morning service or an evening service to make a change for Christ and you don't do it, Guess what just happened to your journey? The extension. (laughs) Yeah, been there, ain't you? I've been there. He says, you're not ready, Matt. Gave you the choice to surrender to me today and February 20th, 2022. God's given some of you an opportunity to make a choice. Day. He's saying, I'm putting, a, I'm putting a stop right here for you. I'm going to be so, 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 so gracious to you, Judy. He said, I'm going I'm to put an exit ramp right here. Where you've been staring and, and looking and saying, oh, God, help me, help me. And, and I'm just going to put an exit ramp. You didn't even know it, but now here it is. Right here's your chance. Sunday morning, God speaking to you, saying it's time for you to get right with me. It's time for you to surrender to me. It's time for you to serve me with your whole heart, 100%. Today is the day I'm going to let you off the trail. And you know what you do? You go right by the intersection. You sit there in your seat and you say, not today. I don't really need God. No, I, I, it's not really the problem. You convince yourself that, and then you wake up tomorrow, Paul, and you're staring down another 100 miles with no intersection. Ain't no wonder some of you are miserable. Ain't no wonder some of you live lives that are defeated. Because the very opportunity for you to exit off of the journey, you didn't take it. What God sees in you, I don't see. What God knows about Steve Howard, I don't know. But oh, how grateful that I am that God is merciful. And and when I seek him, you know what? I have found that an intersection or, or just an exit ramp appears. When I surrender to God and I sell out to God and I commit myself to God, I I could tell you time after time that my journey ended that day. Next thing you know, I'm wheeling off onto a little straight and narrow way and boy, it's happy. 
right? It's just, it's just getting it right down that little straight, narrow path. Sometimes, you see, God has to take us the long way around so that he can deal with the things that are in our heart. He can't deal with it in a five-day journey. It's took some of you five years and some more. Not only does he have to deal with those things that in our heart are prideful and, and arrogant and unyielding, but then there's the things that he has to teach me. Do you know that teaching is a process? You do know it because every one of you acquiesced to the fact that we send our own children to 12 grades of it. Right? If it was a simple thing, Larry, at five years old with it, you're done. But from, a, from, from kindergarten for the next 12 years, they learn them, right? You somehow think that God can teach you all that you need to know on one of them little three-day journeys? Not happening. You realize that everything that God taught them from Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, everything they learned from God, guess where they got it? In the wilderness. Everything that God taught them, every law, every statute, every covenant, they learned in the wilderness. Say, God, just get me off this trail. Just get me off this journey. I can't do it no more. I'm out. It's not a question of whether God can or can't remove you from the journey. The question is, are you learning what you're supposed to be learning? God put you on this, Alfred, for a reason. God put you on this journey not just so he could watch you stagger around in a wilderness. God put you on this journey so he could teach you some things. You know they got all the commandments from God on the journey. They got all the statutes of God on the journey. They got all the covenants of promise on the journey. And you wanting to shorten it? Just what would you miss, Travis, if you shortened God's journey for you? What would he not be able to teach you? And I found that the best place to be taught is when you're listening, and there ain't no better place to listen when you slap in the middle of a wilderness and you don't know which way to go or what to do, and you finally lift your head up and say, God, help me. He can teach you something right then. He can teach you something. All of those things that they got from God. I, I started thinking about that the entire, the entire second four books of the Bible, you know, the, the, not Genesis, but Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All of those were God teaching his children in the wilderness experience. When they were having to depend on him just to get some light bread in the morning when they were trusting him for a little water that was flowing from a rock, he had attention of the people. And so he taught them. And he gave them all that would be carried on down through decades and centuries of time. The laws of God, the commandments of God, all of those things he would teach them in the wilderness. 
It was a long journey. It was a long journey. But I want to give you this as we close. This is the last one. But I believe ultimately, right? Those others are true. And, and, and God's, God's got us on this journey so he can deal with our enemies, so he can deal with our stuff. But then he can also teach us, right? Those are, those are three real things that are going to happen to you on that journey that you're in with God. But listen to me. Number four is extremely important. He did all of the first three so that he might do number four. What did he promise them? God promised Abraham a land. God promised Abraham a place. Extraordinary. Abraham got to walk it. God told Abraham, he said, everything that soles your feet have touched. He said, I'll give to you everything. Before Moses died, God led him up on the mountain. He told Moses, he said, look, he said, as far as your eye can see, he said, that's it, that's it. That's the land that I promised. My covenant to Abraham was that, I, that they would have this land. Do you know it's still, it's still his land? I'm not going to get into any politics here, but you know that according to God, that's still Canaan. He promised that to Abraham and his offspring, and we may be in heaven watching all that occur, but he'll take that back. It ain't theirs. It's his. That was free. I didn't charge you for that. Let me get back to the message. The reason, the reason that your journey is long is because you have a prepared future and you have to be ready for it. Did you know that the second day they left uh, Egypt, they were not ready to walk into a Jericho? You know, you know, the first battle they fought, right, was a, was a walled city that there was no way into. That's the first battle they fought. You think they was ready for that when they had just left Egypt? They weren't ready. You know what? The reason that God had to keep them in the wilderness and teach them and, and, and pull from them and help them and guide them, all of that was preparing for them when they would one day walk into Canaan and say, this is ours. They wouldn't have been ready not one day sooner. When they stood at the walls of Jericho, God said, march around it one time. And you know what they did? They marched around her. That don't sound like that same crew back there at the Red Sea saying, God, you let us out here to kill us. No. That's a different crowd that walked into Jericho and God said, I want you to march around this thing one time, six days. And why they said, yes, sir. How come? They'd been on a journey and they'd learned a great deal about that God. Oh, mercy's sake, you preach this all day long. But I'm going to give you one. 
Right? You remember the first battle they fought? Amalekites. First battle they fought, the Amalekites. God told them, now there's a little people, grant you, but isn't it good of God to put sick them on the little people before he sicked them on the big ones? Huh? Somebody say, Amen. If I got to learn, I'm glad he put me on that little crowd and not the big ones first. Right? That's God teaching them poor people how to fight. God told Mo- Moses, what did he tell him? He said, take Joshua. He said, you go down there, get all your men ready, get everything they got. And he said, I want you to go down there and fight. And he said, but you, he said, you go up on that mountain and you should take Aaron and her with you. You know what God's fixing to teach them? Who fight their battles? You know what they could have never done in Caden? They couldn't have took not one city if they didn't have that knowledge. They'd have stood outside of Jericho and said, mm, we can't take it. Let's go back. But when they got to Jericho after them 40 years, they said, it's ours. We're going to follow him. And whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. And when they marched around that thing, all them six times that last day and they blowed them trumpets, the walls went. And they walked in and took it all. They wasn't ready for that in year number one. They wasn't ready for that in year number two. But after 40 years, there's a force to be reckoned with. The Bible said that as long as Moses held up his arms, Israel won. I mean, they were laying it to him, but as soon as Moses' arms started to fall, the Amalekites started to win. And old Aaron and her, one got on each side of him. They said, we can, do, we can help right here. And one got under one arm, and the other one, he got under the other arm, and they held his arms up. Lord, they was drained of blood, I'm sure. But they held his arms up until the going down of the sun, and Israel won. They walked away that day with lesson one about how to fight. We need God. That wasn't the last battle. Well, that's enough. Come get a song. The journey today is long, and we are on it by design of the shepherd who knows every hill, every valley, every pasture, every waterfall. He knows every nook and cranny in the mountain. We are following a shepherd who knows exactly where to take us in order that he might deal with our enemies, deal with us, deal with all of the things we need to learn and ultimately prepare me to walk through the gates one day. This ain't my home. And everything I'm going through down here is preparing me for the promised land. We get to go, huh? They're going to see us walk through the gates of that place. And I done said it, our head won't be down. We will run through the grates of that thing shouting his name. You say, how in the world did you learn that? Well, bless God, it's a long journey. 
But I learned there ain't nothing matters but Jesus. Ain't that right? You get to a place in your life that you look back and say, boy, I wasted time back under. That wasn't, none of that had anything to do with that. You hear me? God's preparing you to walk into the land. And the journey you're on is part of it. Part of it. Every part of it's got a purpose for the child of God. Every part of it is important to the child of God. Every part of it I can say to you without hesitation that to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, that all these things will work together for good. All right. I'm, I'm going to give an invitation because I believe somebody wants to get saved today. I believe there's somebody here who needs to get right with God, and you better do it today. Your time has run out. Somebody's time has run out. But let me encourage the saints of God, those of you who are faithful to this church and to this body, let me encourage you this morning. Don't you give up. Everything he set out to do in you, he's already said he will do it. That's his word. It's not mine. You're not following a preacher. You're following the Savior. And the journey that he has us on is important. It is purposeful. And what he is bringing us through will mold us into what he needs us to be. And I believe that the God we serve will not fail us. And we as believers in Jesus Christ, this fellowship of believers specifically, I believe that if we will if we will learn what we're supposed to be learning, let him get out of us what's not supposed what's not supposed to be there. Let him deal with our enemies for us, then we will each one being be prepared for the future that awaits us. When they walked into Canaan, they were a force to be reckoned with, and no one, no one stood in their way. They took every city. Well, except for the little bunch in Ai, right, that tuned them up. Remember that one? Right. Except for them. Except for them, when sin was in the camp, they walked into every city. You know what they did to it? They took it. They took it. And then they divided the whole thing up into 12 different plots and gave it out to God's 12 different tribes. And, and, and people stand back saying, how did that happen? It was a long journey. But here's what I can guarantee you. In the end, God will absolutely do what he said he was going to do. You can count on that. My question is, are you a part of it? Are you a part of it? Are you with us? Are you, are you going to be there in the end when we walk through the gates that first day? Are you going to be there? Listen, this ain't no think so kind of deal. You better know right now that you've been born again or you're going to hell 
The very instant you close your eyes to this world, your heart quits beating, your lungs quit filling with air, you are going to be in hell right then. Except you know Jesus. I invite you to come. Get right with God. Not tomorrow, today. Sing. If, we, if you've got a need of God, you better quit wasting time on yourself and start believing and trusting in him. Let him fix what's wrong in you and get in the, get in the journey. Get in the walk. Get in the way. Straight and narrow. Today's your chance. This is your opportunity. As we stand to sing, would you come to Christ today? Would you come to him?